Morning. I've been thinking about it for two minutes and I can't decide. I can't whittle it down to one thing. Don't make me. I want to say rice because I love rice and everything that rice is in. But I also want to say chocolate. I don't want to say crisps. I'm going to end it there because I really can't decide. Any, anyone got any ideas? What would you have an unlimited supply of food of? Chicken. Was that chicken? <laughs> Sorry. That was so rude. Why did I do that? Full English. A full English anything else? Cheese straws. What was that over there? Trifle. Oh, bit of a trifle. Old school. We're going to have to... Do you know what I can feel coming on, people? A bring and share. Let's have a good old bring and share one week. We could do that. A bit of unlimited chicken and trifle. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Moving swiftly on from trifle. Welcome back to our series on feelings and emotions where we are getting real with how we feel. Last week we um, started looking at the emotion of feeling discouraged. If you weren't here, let me take you on a whistle-stop tour. (sighs) Discouragement is similar to feeling disappointed or disheartened. And there's loads of things that can leave us feeling discouraged, but I think two of the main things that can leave us feeling discouraged are unmet expectations, where there's this gap between what we expected for our life and the reality that we face. That can leave us feeling discouraged. And another thing that can leave us feeling discouraged is unkind experiences. Like we've prayed for someone today who had an unkind experience because they hurt, don't they? What we say matters. The way we treat each other matters. And if we don't get it right, sometimes it leaves us feeling discouraged. But we ended last week with a challenge to bring our discouragement to God and to become encouragers. And this week, as we look at discouraged again, I've got another thing that I think, if I'm honest, has oftentimes left me feeling discouraged. And that is unanswered prayer. Now, I know there's people who will be at different stages of prayer in their life. Maybe you've never prayed before. Maybe you don't believe in it. Maybe you pray all the time and you do believe in it. Now, can I ask you to be honest? Will you wave at me if you've ever prayed for something and you've seen an answer to that prayer? Has anyone ever prayed for something? (laughs) I feel like that's really nice. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Great. Now, will you wave at me? If you've ever prayed for something and not seen an answer to that prayer, lots of hands, yeah. I can wave at you with both hands, with both feet. I would try and get them all in the air all at one time if I could, but um, I will fall flat on my face. Unanswered prayers can be so discouraging, disappointing, and disheartening, can't they? Now, I'm like old school. I'm a paper and pen kind of girl. I'm a journaler. I write down all my pens. I know we're in a technological digital revolution, but there's just nothing like a bit of paper. So I am a journaler who writes down all my prayers, which is great because then it means I can go back and see what I've been praying for and see the amount of times God doesn't answer my prayers. But what I'm grateful for is that he doesn't answer all of my prayers because some of them are just plain stupid. Like, well, this wasn't actually true, but I was looking through my journals about what was really, really important to me when I was younger. And if God had answered all my prayers, then I would have married my childhood crush at the age of eight, but then married another one at the age of 11, and then another one at the age of 14. Um, 
If God had answered all my prayers, I would have become a farmer. Not a farmer's wife, specifically a farmer. And then um, the year after, I wanted to be a dancer, so then God would have made me a dancer. That is still a little dream of mine. So, you know, if anyone wants me to get the pirouettes out. No, no, Ian said no, thanks. All righty. Um, another prayer that I had was <laughs> to, um, I was desperate to wake up the next morning and God would dye my hair ginger. I loved red hair. I still do. I think it's beautiful. God never did it. Uh, Yes, Sean. I paid so much money in hair dye and even that didn't work. And then I also prayed um, earnestly because I have always been tall. I've always been taller than my peers. And so I would go to bed at night when I was young and pray that God would remove my kneecaps. Because if he removed my kneecaps, I would shrink by about this much, which would make me average with all of my friends. Now, I've tried walking like, like, it just doesn't suit me, but also God didn't take my kneecaps. And I'd like to thank him for not answering that prayer. Because can you imagine, I couldn't have been a dancer, and I couldn't have been a farmer, could I, Tids? No, farmers need kneecaps, don't they? They do. So thank you to the Lord for not answering all of my prayers. But some of the prayers that I have wanted answered, God hasn't answered. And some of them have been hard to deal with. Like I've been praying for a friend to be healed from a condition for like 10 years. And guess what? She hasn't. I've been praying for a friend who's trying to conceive for years. And guess what? They haven't. I've been praying for a friend who um, just want to see their mental health improve. But guess what? It hasn't. And maybe there's something that you have been praying and praying and praying for, but it just hasn't. Isn't that discouraging? Yeah. I um, would love to be able to tell you today why God doesn't answer all our prayers. But I don't know. I don't know the answer. And so I come to you humbly asking for your permission to give you no answers because I don't know, and I might not know this side of heaven. I'll keep on asking him, because it hurts. It hurts when he doesn't answer the prayers that we pray for, especially for other people, when we can see they're in need, and he doesn't answer it. It's really, really hard, and I don't know why. So I come to you with not any answers, but I come to you today with a story from the Bible that has helped me as I've asked the question, God, why aren't you answering this prayer? And this story is in a book called John in the Bible, chapter 11. Now, you can track along with us if you want. It will come up on the screen if that's any easier. Um, It's quite meaty, so good luck following me is all I will say. We're going to skip through a few verses for the sake of time and clarity. This is a story about three siblings Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. I love this story because my middle name's Martha, so I just feel like close to them. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and a guy called Jesus. And you can read along in John chapter 11. Are you ready? Let's go. Let's read some Bible. So for some context, Jesus was away in another part of the country doing things Jesus does, miracles and such like. Um, And his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were back at home But Lazarus was really, really, really poorly. So Mary and Martha sent someone to tell Jesus, Lord, the one that you love, that's Lazarus, he is really sick. 
When Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. It's for the glory of God to bring glory to the Son of God. Jesus loved Martha, and he loved Mary, and he loved Lazarus. But when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then Jesus said to his followers, now let's go back to Judea. Judea." Skip forward to verse 17. When Jesus arrived, he learned that Lazarus had already been dead and in the tomb for four days. Bethany was about two miles from Jerusalem. Many of the Jews had come there to comfort Martha and Mary about their brother who just died. When Martha had heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you anything you ask. Jesus said, your brother will rise and live again. Mary, by the way, stayed at home whilst Martha was talking to Jesus, but Jesus wanted to talk to Mary, so Jesus called for Mary. Skip forward to verse 32. But Mary went to the place where Jesus was, and when she saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw Mary crying and the Jews who came with her were also crying, he got upset and he was deeply troubled and he asked, where did you bury my friend Lazarus? Come and see, Lord, they said. And Jesus cried. So the Jews said, see how much he loved him? Like, if Jesus could open the eyes of a blind man, why couldn't he keep his friend Lazarus from dying? Which I think is a really fair question, in my opinion. Verse 38, again, feeling upset, Jesus came to the tomb, and it was a cave with a large stone covering the entrance. Jesus said, move that stone away. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, but Lord, it's been four days since he died, and I don't know if you know anything about dead bodies, but it's going to be smelly. That's exactly what she said, word for word. Verse 40, then Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you'd see the glory of God? So they moved the stone away from the entrance, and then Jesus looked up, and he said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know you always hear me. I said these things because of the people here around me. I want them to believe. And after Jesus said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. There is three things that I would love for you to see and hear and learn from this story that I pray would give you some sort of encouragement because if like Mary and Martha, when they asked Jesus to come and heal their friend Lazarus, but Lazarus died, maybe you've had experiences where you've prayed for something, but it's just not happened. So the first thing I'd love you to see in this story is that unanswered prayer does not mean you are unloved. Like God's silence doesn't equal an absence of his love for you. John chapter 11 verse 5 says this, Jesus loved Mary, he loved Martha, her sister, and he loved Lazarus, but when he heard that, he stayed where he was. It is specifically noted in the best history book of all time that Jesus really, really, really loved these people. Like if it said there, Jesus really loved Lois, I would literally go around like, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. It's in the Bible. Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus so much that he wanted it written down. And it is important that you don't think that just because your prayers aren't answered, it's because Jesus loves you. He loves them, but he didn't answer their prayer when they wanted it, how they wanted it, 
exactly where they wanted it. It's a lie, though, to think that that's because he didn't love them enough. It's a lie to think it's because they weren't good enough. It's a lie to think that they hadn't done enough or believed in him enough. He loves them so much and he loves you so much. Whether God is silent or not in your life, he loves you. Whether he is answering your prayers or not, he loves you. Whether the thing that you are desperately believing for, you've seen happen or not, he loves you because he's who he is. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Jesus loves you and Jesus loves me. This I know for the... Bible tells me so. And do you know, if you are questioning God's love because you are like, I am not seeing an answer to prayer, this is the best reminder you could have that he loves you. It is full, it is littered with reminders of God's love for you. One of my favorites is Jeremiah chapter 31, verse three, that says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That is the kind of love that transcends time that transcends whether we are good enough or not good enough. That is the kind of love that lasts, and that's how much he loves you. So if your prayer hasn't been answered, it is not because he loves you any less than the person who you see that it looks like they're getting everything you desperately want. God's love doesn't mean that every prayer will be answered how we want, when we want. But his unanswered prayer doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. The second thing I want to draw out of this story is that your pain brings Jesus no pleasure. Like he doesn't get kicks from making you wait. It says in John chapter 11, verse 33, this. It says, when Jesus saw Mary crying and the Jews that came with her were also crying, he was upset. He was deeply, deeply troubled. You know, when Mary was crying in frustration to God, like, Jesus, you are too late. I asked for you to come home and heal our brother Lazarus and you didn't. You were too late and now he's dead and I've given up hope because you weren't here and she's crying and she's crying and she's crying. And he, Jesus, it says, is deeply, deeply moved. It's so important that we understand that when we are hurting and when we are suffering and when we are waiting and when we are discouraged and when we are disappointed, God is not stood with arms folded like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, he is not, that is not the kind of God he is. Now, I have a friend who is like that, who just doesn't know what to do with emotion. And when I cry, because I cry quite a lot, I am emotional. They just don't look at this. And I'm like, that, you know I'm crying here, right? And so they put an arm around like that, and like pat me like that. And I'm like, that is the most unsympathetic thing ever. Let me tell you, Jesus isn't like this. And he's not like this, he is like this. I'm moved for you. I weep with you. The next verse, um, which won't come up, says in John 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. He weeps for you. He is not the kind of God that stands there as you wait and as you hurt and as you suffer, just looking down on you like, I'm not bothered. He is not apathetic to your pain. He is deeply, deeply moved by you and your pain. The Bible says that Jesus is close to the brokenhearted and that he catches every tear in a bottle. And if we let it, unanswered prayer, it can lead us to having hardened and bitter hearts because we assume that God is heartless. We assume that God doesn't care whether we see an answer to prayer or not, but your pain brings God no pleasure 
Because like it says in this story, Jesus weeps. Jesus is deeply moved. He weeps for you. And he sits with you in your hurting, in your waiting, in your discouragement. The third thing and final thing I want to draw out of this story is that God is never early. He is never late. He is always right on time. I just need to confess something. I'm always late. Like only about three minutes late, right? So it's not late enough to be rude, but it's late enough that no one expects me to walk in on time. I'm just always late, a little bit marginally late. Now my friend Connor, sorry Connor, is always early. Give him a time and he's here an hour earlier. It's a really good skill to have. Like, I wish I was, I wish I was Connor. I wish I was like Jesus, but I wish I was more like Connor. I'm always late. Connor is always early, but God is always right on time. He is the beginning and the end. We sang a song this morning, one of my favorite songs, where it just lists loads and loads of names of Jesus, of God. And one of the things that I don't think actually says in the song and the way he's described in the Bible is like Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He existed before time. He will exist beyond time. He is time and time himself. He is God, so he created time. He is on time, every time, all the time, because that's who God is. Now, Mary and Martha, they asked Jesus to come back when their brother Lazarus was ill. Two days later, he decided to go back to Judea. Now, that journey will have taken at least a day to get back, I'm guessing. There was no Ubers, there was no planes, there was no electric scooters. So, like, it was a long journey. When he got back, it had been four days. Four days since Mary and Martha prayed and asked Jesus to come and heal Lazarus. Four days later, he rocks up. And guess what had happened? Lazarus had died. Like, it was too late. It was too late to save Lazarus at this point, it would appear. But actually, the timing was absolutely perfect. Because in Jewish culture and mystic tradition at the time, it was believed that if a person died, their body obviously was dead, but their soul would linger around or in the body for up to three days. After the third day, it would be an absolute impossibility, absolutely no sign of life, no sign of, help, uh, no sign of hope for the soul to ever be reconnected with that body. So yeah, Jesus could have healed um, Lazarus on day one. He could have healed him from the other side of the country. He could have healed him on day two. He could have healed him on day three, but on day four, on day four, he set a miracle in motion that exceeded every possibility. He did something that was bigger and more than Mary and Martha could have ever asked or imagined because they just wanted Jesus to heal Lazarus when he was poorly. They never anticipated that actually Jesus would wait until the very moment where no one else believed it was possible, but Jesus raised him to life. They wanted healing, but he brought new life resurrection, restoration, and that miracle brought God so much more glory than Mary and Martha could have ever asked or imagined because what Jesus always is, is right on time. To us, sometimes it feels like he's late. To us, sometimes we're like, too late, God, I wanted that then. I wanted you to remove my kneecaps back when I was nine years old. Now it's too late. I actually still don't want him to move from my kneecaps. Shouldn't have used that as an example. Anyway, sometimes we think that Jesus is too late. But he is right on time. And I wonder 
when it comes to your prayer and the thing you are believing for and you think God is too late, by human standards, on my timeline, on my agenda, he is too late. But what if your prayer is this puzzle piece that God, who is the creator and orchestrator of all time, can see the bigger picture and he is waiting for just the right time to click your prayer into place, to set the wheels in motion of a miracle that you don't even know is possible, that you don't even know is on the horizon, but you're praying for this. And God is like, if you could just wait, if you could just believe that I am going to be right on time, that I am going to answer your prayer and set a miracle in motion that is going to bring God so much glory and going to bring you so much goodness. So what if we could wait and truly believe that God is never early? He is never late. He is always right on time. Sometimes I know that it feels like God is too late, that he is really slow, like the ship has sailed. But this promise in the Bible in 2 Peter has told me time and time again, that I am not the best at timekeeping and that God is. It says, don't forget this one thing, dear friends. To the Lord, one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. But the Lord is not slow in doing what he promised. The way that some people understand slowness. If you are feeling frustrated and discouraged because the answer to your prayer feels like it is coming far too slowly, know that he is always on time. And when you know that God's timing is perfect and it's always right, you have the hope to keep on waiting, to keep on praying, to keep on believing. Can I encourage you that waiting time is never wasted time if you are waiting on God? It feels hard. It feels painful. We have been hardwired to not like waiting, right? So do you remember back in the day when if you wanted to go shopping, you'd have to actually wait for the shops to open? Now, no waiting involved. You just get your phone out, you order, you click, and it'll arrive at your doorstep. Do you remember when you used to watch TV, like Heartbeat on a Sunday night? You'd have to wait a full seven days to get the next episode. You don't even have to press a button now for it to play the next episode. You don't have to wait. Everything's just instant. Do you remember when you used to send letters? Did I ever send? Yeah, I love letters. Not, not love. Oh, gosh. Did, do you remember when you just had to wait? Now, you just send things instantly. Things arrive instantly. Things happen instantly. And as a result, we have become too used to not having to wait for anything. Because waiting isn't easy. But this story shows us that even in the waiting, even when Mary and Martha were like, I'm still waiting for Jesus. And it feels like he's too late. It's never too late because... With Jesus, his timing is perfect. And the great news is, even when we are waiting, God is still working. I know we're not too good at multitasking. We can only do one of the two things. We can either wait or we can work. God is working in your waiting. And if you are waiting for him to answer prayers, he has not forgotten you. He doesn't love you any less. He is not late. His timing is perfect. And I pray that knowing and believing that his timing is perfect will give you the hope to keep on praying, to keep on believing.